Hello, welcome to the D&D Roundtable presented by The Tome Show. I'm your host, James Intercasso. Please use the affiliate links on thetomeshow.com whenever you shop on Amazon or D&D Classics to help support the show. You just go to thetomeshow.com, click on the links in the show notes for this episode or any other, and then you shop as you normally would. Today we're talking about the new Dragon Plus digital magazine and a recent Wizards of the Coast survey about classes and Eberron material. Let's meet the panel and kick things off with our get-to-know-you question. What is your favorite published adventure from any medium? Joe Listowski, let's start with you. I'm going to go with uh, the previous edition of Dungeons & Dragons, 4th edition. Uh, they had a program called Lair Assault, which was basically where the DMs would try to destroy the players, and they had really hard adventures. And the third one of those was called Attack of the Tyrant Claw, and it involved going to a jungle island to help a druid at a shrine and fighting dinosaurs. Um, and in order to protect the shrine, you got all these little... Uh, you, you, there was a whole bunch of points where you could buy like crossbow towers and other things to put around, and it combined many of my favorite loves. It combined Dungeons and Dragons, it combined tower defense games, and it combined dinosaurs. Uh, so right off the bat, I was super excited about it. And then the character I ended up making for it uh, was just one of those characters that jumps out and smacks you in the face. And and uh, we'll I'll, I'll send it to you guys. We'll put it up in the show notes. But uh, he was uh, Rock Dashington. He was a satyr, uh, elementalist sorcerer. And he was the kind of like bombastic uh, big game hunter movie star that you would see like in a King Kong movie. And so his... Uh, his sorcerer staff actually had a rifle stock on it that he would hold up to his shoulder as he fired his, his spells off at things. And so just a lot of fun to play and a really fun adventure and lots of dinosaurs, really annoying orcs that had, uh, when they died, they got to charge you. And huh. so, you know, the wizard dropped a little spell of, oh, they're just minions. I'll kill all these orcs. And suddenly there's 15 orcs charging the wizard. And a lot of, lot of really interesting tactical things like that. And then where you put stuff around the map really mattered in terms of defense and placement and whatnot. So. Yeah, yeah, sounds like a fun adventure. Lair Assault was always a great time. Uh, so I can find no fault with that, sir. Uh, Vegas Lancaster is here with us this evening. Vegas Lancaster, what is your favorite published adventure from any medium? Uh, my, my favorite uh, published adventure is... Uh, a D&D module from the 1980s. Uh, Gary Gygax wrote it. Uh, it's called Dungeon Land, and it's a parody <laughs> of Alice in Wonderland. Um, oh, wow. Mock dungeon tur- uh, uh, dragon turtle. Uh, and there's, like, mushrooms that you eat to grow big or grow small. And uh, it's... It- special place in in my heart because it was uh the the first uh adventure i ever played in as a very small child with my cousins who corrupted me and turned me into a weirdo uh (laughs) talking on podcasts in 2015 about D &D. (laughs) so that's what happened (laughs) well we're glad because you're our weirdo now vegas we're happy to have you (laughs) And of course, Andrew Kane is with us. Andrew Kane, what is your favorite published adventure from any medium? Uh, that you know, it took me a while. I had to think long and hard about this, but I think the one that really stands out for me is actually um, it's a video game, mm-hmm. and it's one that really kind of introduced me to the world, even though it existed in forms before to the world of kind of video game RPGs, and that would have to be Final Fantasy VII. 
Mm. You know, oh, yeah. got a little cloud action, uh, Aerith, all that good stuff. So that's a great game. But I know it will soon be supplanted by the in-progress, soon-to-be-published on World Builder blog, post-by-post, Prison for Dragons. <laughs> uh, I would never dare compare my dribble to the massive event that is Final Fantasy VII. What you need to do, James, is get a get a theme song for your main villain that will rival the uh, One-Winged Angel from Sephiroth, and that'll really sell it. Uh, That's right. <laughs> oh, man. I used to know like all the English translations of Adam verses and <laughs> love that. Love it. So let's move on to our first topic and talk about the dragon plus app slash magazine available uh, from wizards of the coast. Obviously we know that they are not publishing a dungeon and dragon magazine anymore, neither in print nor in digital form. This app is available for iOS and for Android uh, at the moment, uh, and they are exploring possibilities, uh, you know, with Windows phones and that kind of thing. It's free, so you can go get it and check it out right now. I will say that because it is free, the content, uh, at least in this first issue of the magazine, seems to be very reflective of that. There is a lot of articles and things pushing you to buy Wizards of the Coast products. There is really no crunch. You're not going to find new mechanics in the first issue and probably, I'm guessing, in future issues of the magazine. But you will find a lot of great uh, fluffy articles, things, you know, in this first issue. They have a a nice piece about Goliaths and it all centers around the Elemental Evil storyline, so... There's a lot of great stuff there, especially if you're playing that adventure, especially if you're part of the Adventurers League. Uh, if you're not participating in those, I'm not really sure what the worth is, but we're going to find out because we got people here from the AL and who don't participate in the Adventurers League. Joe Lestowski, let's start with you. You help run things at your friendly local game store. What do you think of the Dragon Plus app and its content? I think most of it I could get by following the D&D Tumblr mm-hmm. because a lot of the content in it seems to be reposts of stuff from the D&D Tumblr. Uh, and I like some of the stuff. Like there's a Peter Paints the Red Dragon series where you get to see this guy going in-depth and painting uh, a beautiful Red Dragon mini. And that's cool and that's great. But that's nothing that I couldn't get by just going to Tumblr and, and not going into this app. From a functionality standpoint, on my on my Android phone, I'm using a Droid Razor Max. Uh, it's a little clunky. Every time I go into an article, uh, if I try to go back, it goes back to the main screen and not to the previous screen. Um, and it takes a little while to load as well. Uh, it's not the fastest thing. Uh, the content itself is, like you said, it's fluff. Uh, some of it is okay fluff. Some of it is a real kind of waste of time fluff. Uh, as far as stuff that players in the Adventurers League can use. I think the the players that would use an article all about Goliaths would have done research and found out all about Goliaths anyway. I don't know that that it's giving them anything more than they would have found out otherwise just looking into Goliaths, but it's nice that it's in one easy-to-find place. They're very transparent about the fact that there is content here that is available in other places. They reposted their video series, their um, DM support group video series. They reposted the video uh, that already exists of 
Acquisitions Inc. at PAX this year. Um, so it is a, a fair amount of reposting stuff. Uh, I'm looking at the app on iPhone, and it actually, I, I find that it moves pretty well. It's pretty easy to navigate around and stuff. Uh, I don't have it on Android, so I can't compare. Oh, okay. Andrew Kane, let's uh, let's talk about you. What sort of reaction uh, are you having when you look at the stuff here from Dragon Plus? I'm intrigued. Uh, I, I can't disagree with anything that's already been said. Where even when you hop on to the when you hop on to the app uh, and you're looking, you know, you can see that it's pulled information from. It says Tumblr, Facebook, etc. Like where they pulled the information from, and then you can. Um, look in the archive and things. And so I think it's an intriguing first step. I Well, let me rephrase that. I hope it's a first step and maybe a way of presenting a lot of different information, a lot of different formats in order to reach people wherever they are. So if you like to find your information on Tumblr, you can. If you like to see it via Facebook post, you can. Or you can be on something like this app that uh, kind of pulls it all together now, that in and of itself isn't the greatest, but maybe if they have bigger plans and this is just their first way of getting people to look at it, see how many people are interested, if it's worth exploring more, etc. I think it's an intriguing first step to kind of hit things on many different platforms. But I agree that at this point, it's, it's interesting. Yeah, I think, uh, you know, I think there's a lot of potential here. Like I said, I think the app looks nice, at least on iOS. And I think that there is, you know, we should be clear, there is some exclusive content that is just available through the magazine. Um, you know, a lot of it in this first issue is about how the magazine is here <laughs> and how to navigate it and that kind of stuff. But it sounds like there's going to be more coming in the future. Uh, you know, they talk about how they're going to use Dragon Plus to drop hints about forthcoming storylines and that sort of thing. So I think for people who play in the Adventurers League and for people who want those hints and everything, this is there. And I think Joe's right. If you are really into Goliaths and want to do research, uh, you'll probably have already done that. But if you uh, are not as into Goliaths, but have the Dragon Plus app because you want to be updated about D&D, maybe that article would get you into Goliaths if you took the time to, to read it and that sort of thing. Uh, I think Vegas's point of it not being for uh, everybody is a good one. Right now, it feels a little too embedded into like, this is the story and this is what we're doing. But, you know, it seems like upcoming in, in the next month, they're going to be talking about uh, Sword Coast Legends, and they're going to be talking about uh, Ed Greenwood and that kind of thing. So I think you'll see enough of a variety that without a subscription price, you know, the fact that it's free, it's like, you know, even if I'm only interested in a quarter of the issues, it's cool that they're putting this out there. One thing that really would have sold me on this app was uh, there. there is still a, a subsection of D&D players who are paying for... Uh, subscription fees to Wizards of the Coast for uh, what we used to get the old Dragon and Dungeon magazine for. Uh, most of us are doing it so that we can still have access to the online 4th uh, edition character builders and such. Um, but I would love to, like, they could have put a little button in there for those of us that are still subscribers to be able to access old Dragon magazine articles. That would have made me happy with this because then that would have been a way to access content that I don't have readily available to me. That's a great idea. Uh, for them to do that. Uh, I don't 
think we'll see it, but uh, oh no, I don't either. No, but, it's pipe dream. But no, but it's an awesome idea for them to to be able to do that. If they were going to put out content that was a little more general or had some crunch to it, or you know, was more like uh, what Dragon Magazine and Dungeon Magazine have been in the past—adventures and new feats and rule sets and new races and classes and things like that. Is that something that you would pay a monthly fee for, uh, even if it was available digital only? Yeah, I think I would. I, I did it back in fourth edition, and I would I would continue doing it uh, in fifth edition. Yeah, I think I would. I think that would be, you know, I, I wouldn't be opposed to that. Uh, Vegas, what do you think of this app? And uh, would you pay for it if it had some more crunchy, uh, exclusive content? These posts are dumb. <laughs> it's it's just like silly pictures and stuff. <laughs> uh, what like, do you think is dumb about them? Well, like when Joe was saying earlier, uh, most of the content on here is just reposts from the D&D Tumblr page. Uh, what he meant was all of the content on here is reposts from the D&D Tumblr page. <laughs> and it's mostly like pictures of a guy painting his miniatures. And then there's like some puns. Uh, there's some monsters doing everyday actions. <laughs> no, like no, hanging out no in a crunch. The <laughs> uh, Mother's Day post. That's, that's kind of nice. There's some Legos. Uh, also, every 20 seconds, the screen turns black and the app goes checking for updates. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, I uh, I do not have that problem on iOS. Uh, I'm on Android. I also get that. It only checks for uh, updates when I open the app, and then it does not again. Uh, so it sounds like the iOS version is a little uh, cleaner and, and runs better than the Android version, based on our anecdotal evidence here. <laughs> uh, to, to answer your question, James, I don't think I would pay at this point in history, just for uh, interesting articles and stuff about D&D online. You know, I was a subscriber to D&D Insider for 4th edition, but that also gave us access to the character builder and a bunch of tools that they promised and never really delivered on. Maybe if they had like a cool character builder and a bunch of cool tools to play with, uh, and uh, some exclusive adventures and things on top of that. That's what I would probably pay for. Um, articles alone, you know, you can get those for free. I think it's a, an interesting bevy of opinions we've got around here. I'm certainly not <laughs> going to complain about free content. If you don't need it, you don't need it. So, uh, and if you do like it and you're enjoying it, that's great. Um, we'd love to hear what you think of the Dragon Plus app. So uh, hit us up over at thetomeshow.com. Leave us a comment. Let us know what you think. Uh, let's move on to our second topic, uh, Wizards of the Coast survey. So Wizards of the Coast uh, put out a survey report uh, as well as a new survey at the end of April. Let's first talk about their survey report about uh, their second 5th uh, edition D&D survey. Uh, which was about the Barbarian, Bard, Monk, Paladin, Sorcerer, and Warlock classes, as well as uh, some Eberron content. The gist of the article, those classes 
they feel like are doing very well, that they had some uh, little areas of concern here and there, but overall it wasn't like, whoa, this class needs a whole overhaul or that sort of thing. You know, it was things like the sorcerer needs more options within its class. The monk's way of the four elements option is not as satisfying as its other paths. When uh, it came to the Eberron material, uh, there was stuff that, uh, you know, it was like, okay, this still needs a lot of work, uh, which isn't unexpected. The Eberron material wasn't published. That's in, from an Unearthed Arcana article. It's in draft form, you know, and said that they need uh, some refinement. Things like the Changeling will have its ability scores and a Shape Changer ability tweaked. The Shifter scored pretty well, but uh, that there were some things that were going to have to be tweaked here. The Warforged uh, had a lot of feedback, it sounds like, and uh, they said they're going to take a slightly different approach, one that ties to the original 3.5 race having armored body options to make them feel like innately equipped characters. Uh, Artificer still needs work, all that good stuff. Um, again, not completely unexpected since it's still in playtest form. Let's start with you, Joe. Joe, what did you think about this feedback overall? Do you agree with it? Do you, uh, are you uh, happy with the way that things are progressing? I've spent a lot of time in, in human resources in my, my work life, and this feels sort of like when you're giving a, a yearly review to an employee and you want them to know there are areas that they could improve on, but you can't say, well, this was wrong. This was done poorly this is something you should never do again. It all has to be, well, you know, there's some room for improvement in this area. There's some, there's some areas that you might think about taking a different direction here. Like it, it feels very, I don't know, clean. It feels very, very uh, sanitized to me, the, the language in this. And I understand they've, they've got a, a PR department that's trying to make everything about this new edition sound great. At least my my input on the survey didn't use that nice language, and and none of that translated <laughs> over. Um, there there were you know for for instance, not everyone is excited about the wild mage. I feel like is a huge understatement. I was just in a, a forum discussion over in the uh, Adventurers League forum about the wild mage uh, a day or two ago, and talking about how. Uh, depending on what you roll on the wild magic chart, you might wipe your party out because at first level, if you're dropping third level fireballs centered on yourself, your whole party's going to die. And won't that be fun for everybody? That gets translated to not everyone's excited about the wild mage. And so it just, it feels like, I, I feel like this is, this is a very sanitized version of what the feedback probably was. And I would be, I would be really interested to see actually the feedback you know just give us give us a, a download of all the comments or, or some of the comments or anything just because i'm curious to see what people had to say uh, i will say though about the uh, four elements option from what i've seen in my store everyone that's played a monk has gone four elements just because they love avatar the last airbender and they all want to play uh <laughs> elemental benders of some sort uh, i you know it's funny i have to say that uh my experience with the wild mage is uh very different um, I love the Wild Mage. Uh, I love that there's that uh, insane swinginess. Uh, I have not seen an entire party die. That does sound like not a lot of fun um, for, for something like that to happen. I saw that conversation happening on the forum, and I just didn't participate because I haven't had that experience. So I, mm. do, I do wonder if our ideas of, of what is being reported on here is 
colored because he's just putting it all into one generic thing like yeah some people had some extreme things to say but you know when we're looking at it for the most part we're we're pretty happy with the things that are coming back you know like you said everything we're hearing has to come with a grain of salt because it's from the people who are making the game and we certainly uh it wouldn't behoove them to put out something that said everything is wrong we need to change everything would not be a great way to to move books. So I, I certainly understand that. What did you think about the uh, feedback, Andrew Kane? First of all, I'd just like to say I agree with what Joe's saying, which is kind of, I understand that they're just doing a brief report back, and so they have kind of cleaned it up. But at the same time, if there are people feeling passionately about something and then they see that translated as, some people don't like that, I can see how others might look at that and be like, oh, what's the point of these surveys if that's how they're going to interpret it? That's one thing. But I do like the idea that we're already starting to see some of potentially the benefits of these types of surveys. Now, who knows how much was in the works before they even got feedback, but they brought up the point of the the favored solo option for a sorcerer coming out uh, and that concept. And, you know, there were some people who felt that sorcerers didn't have enough options within the class, etc. So I, I do like that you are starting to see these things come out and whether or not they're connected or they were just in the works and they happen to line up nicely. That is a nice thing that you are starting to see the, some changes come forward, but at the same time, I think it can be frustrating when you kind of like the idea of something and it turns out that it just wasn't necessarily built in the best way. During the D&D &D next playtest, you didn't get all of the numbers, but they were good about giving percentages and things like that. And uh, yes. it would be nice to get a little bit more, uh, if nothing else. Um, I, I would love to see a breakdown. Yeah, that would be really cool of them to do. Um, uh, Vegas, what did you think about the... Uh, survey results that they were sharing uh i think it's funny that the feedback they're sharing is everything that we've published and you've paid for already is pretty great the free <laughs> stuff that we're still working on needs some improvement before you pay for it <laughs> uh i also i think uh you guys were just talking about it i think it's crazy that they're getting negative feedback on the wild mage i think that's so much fun and cool i, I really like that build and yes, I really like it too, and I think it is fun and cool. To Joe's point, uh, that the you know the wild mage accidentally casting a fireball centered on itself at first level is a party destroyer, and and it's not a fun party destroyer uh, the way some other things might be. You know, I guess I would be disappointed if that happened. <laughs> sort of disappointed. <laughs> I, I will say it does give you a great story uh, for the table <laughs> that you can tell refresh my memory did this only include the classes that they mentioned here or did it also include the other classes that they didn't bring up so the other classes uh were discussed in the first survey this is okay, from the, okay. this is feedback from the second survey so okay okay yeah because i it not knowing that just reading it you would think oh the feedback for these classes was great the other ones must be horrible but sure since there was the other show, okay. Well, for the most part, I uh, I kind of agree with the what they're claiming the feedback is. I mean, I do think the um, the classes they're not perfect, but I think they all feel kind of special and they're all pretty well done, and I like them a lot. And the Eberron material, I was like, oh, this is a little lackluster. I <laughs> hope something else comes out in the future. 
Yeah, it sort of felt like the Eberron material was made with the last playtest packet. And then they were like, well, guess we got to have an Unearthed Arcana this month. Let's uh, throw this out there and see what happens. I just was thinking about something as we were chatting that is interesting uh, when Vegas was bringing up the point that he, you know, about the Wild Mage and if they the Wild Mage at level one did kill the whole party, that he wouldn't think that was terrible. And I was thinking to myself, oh, I would think that was kind of funny too. And I think part of it is who you play with and how long you've been playing. So if that happened in their group, uh, if Vegas did that, now that I've played with him for a while, I'd be like, classic Vegas with his TPK, uh, you know, whatever. <laughs> but if you were just starting or if you were playing with a group of people for the first time or whatever, I can see how that would be really frustrating. And it's just a mechanic of the game and kind of like, well, this kind of sucks. Uh, oh, so yeah. I think obviously one's lens or who they play with, how they play, your relationship with the other players can have an impact on how those types of things might play out. Just like if you always have kind of a player who's always kind of being a jerk or something and then their character does that, it would be like, come on, you got to be kidding me. You know what I mean? <laughs> that's that's very true. And I think that colors a lot of, of my arguably more negative reaction is that I'm looking at it through a, an organized play lens where how will how have all of these translated to brand new players of the game? And so that's different than how does this translate in a home setting where you can have you know, different personalities over time and whatnot. As much as I complain about the surveys, I do commend Wiz the Coast for continuing to do them. And I, I appreciate that they're trying to get player feedback. However, however sanitized or colored it might end up being in, in the results that they report to us, I know that they are at least taking our, our words into account. They're taking our ideas into account. And that does feel good uh, to know that, you know, even though I could probably come up with a list of things to complain about in any well, in any given situation, let alone fifth edition D and D, but uh, but the fact that that there are folks that are that are paying attention to that and looking for ways to make this a more fun game, uh, I do appreciate that. I am happy with what they're doing with the surveys, and I think that it makes sense for them when they say things publicly to put a little bit of a spin on them. Certainly, especially concerning material that's already been published. But I I do feel like based on how they handled D&D Next and what 5th edition turned out to be, which I think is a very good, uh, elegant game, they really are taking people's feedback into effect. Uh, and so what they show to the public is certainly very different than what they are uh, dissecting over there. Well, uh, I think that's going to do it for the roundtable, guys. Joe Lestowski, where can people find you? Uh, Twitter at uh, Joe Listowski. Actually, at Joe Listowski, there's no uh in the middle of it. I can also be, uh, I do a D&D blog and some other things at actsofgeek.com. And if you are uh, in Western Massachusetts looking for some good gaming experience, you can find me at Modern Myths, Comics, and Games in Northampton, Massachusetts. Excellent. And Andrew Kane, where can people find you? Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Cavalier Kane, K-A-V-A-L-I-E-R-K-A-N-E. And Vegas Lancaster, where can people find you? Uh, you can always find me on Twitter at Vegas Lancaster. Uh, if you're in the Philadelphia area, I'm performing with the Philly N crowd most Friday nights. All right, people, if you have a question or topic you'd like to hear us discuss on the roundtable, reach out to me on Twitter at James Intracasso. That's at J-A-M-E-S. 
I-N-T-R-O-C-A-S-O. Or you can leave us a comment on the Tome Show's website, thetomeshow.com. And a quick shameless plug for me, check out my blog, which is all about Exploration Age. It's the fifth edition world I'm building. It's over at worldbuilderblog.me. And there you can find plenty of free crunch for your games, if that's what you wanted out of the Dragon app. Thanks for listening, and thanks to Joe, Vegas, and Andrew. Special thanks to Jeff Greiner for letting us join the Tome Show lineup, and to Sam Dillon for getting the podcast out there on the airwaves. Our theme music, which you're listening to right now, was composed by Eric Michaels. Don't forget to go to thetomeshow.com and use the affiliate links whenever you shop on Amazon or D&D Classics to help support the show. And hey, if you like the show, please rate the Tome Show on iTunes and like us on Facebook. Keep on rolling, and keep on listening to The Roundtable.